I've known uh, for a few years now, haven't I, Raymond Benson, you and your work. I am working my way through your 40-some published <laughs> books because I'm, I'm terribly intrigued. And I've, I have ever, ever, because I grew up in a kind of literary household, amazed at, at authors who are as prolific as you are. Before we get to the... the Charming, charming, charming. I, I'm overusing that word because uh, Andy Murray's book is also charming. Uh, this is charming in a very vastly different way. The mad, mad murders of Marigold Way. It's charming in the way that our town is charming. And I want to talk about Thornton Wilder's influence because Thornton Wilder's all over this book. He's he is. all over this book. When did you start writing and why? When did I start writing the book or no. writing? Writing. I never thought that I would be a writer. I started in theater. I was going to be a stage director. I majored in theater. And, Where? In, at the University of Texas in Austin. And uh, that was in the 70s. And Are I'm, you from Texas? I am originally from West Texas. You lost your accent. Yes, I worked on that. Theater Theater, uh, you know, works on that for <laughs> sure. you. <laughs> um, and I, after I graduated, I moved to New York City. And I did work in the off-Broadway, off-off-off-way off-Broadway scene, directing plays, composing music, playing the piano. Uh, oh. Did that for several years. And... It's a tough. It's a tough business. It is a tough business. It's a tough business because it is, and it's not like there isn't rejection in writing either. But but it's filled. It's a series of rejections. But you know, I learned a lot. You know, they they say that if you have a theater degree, you can do anything. (laughs) But what happened was in the early '80s, uh, some friends of mine and I uh, were sitting around a table, and somebody said, "If you had to write a book, what would you write?" And, and my answer was, I would write an encyclopedic work on the history of James Bond, which is what I did. I, I suddenly thought, gee, that would be fun to do. Uh, and I embarked on that, and the rest is history. Well, and that led to to you being the James Bond novelist in the wake of the death of uh, Ian Fleming. That came 12 years later, yeah, in the late 90s and early 2000s. I was the official Bond what, author, what first American to do it. Yeah, I know. What, what, what was it about the Bond books that grabbed you? Uh, aside from brilliant plotting and interesting, aside from the usual brilliant plotting and interesting characters, well, my father took me to see Goldfinger when it first came out, and I was nine years old, mm-hmm. and that was really my first introduction to James Bond. And the, you know, growing up in West Texas and seeing something like Goldfinger really like. Yeah, we don't have any people like Odd Job around here, right. do we? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I immediately started picking up the paperbacks that were everywhere at that time. Sure. Uh, and started reading them and catching up on the movies and staying with it. And I just was a huge fan. And Fleming was a great writer. I mean, even at nine and ten years old, I could understand the plot, even though some of the French words and things may, may have gone over my head. But sure. He was, as you well know much better than I, a fascinating character. He was. A complicated a lot of light and dark in that guy's life. He was. Is it true, as I recall, that what really catapulted uh, Ian Fleming and his Bond books and Bond himself was the fact that Jack Kennedy was in a huge, America? Yes, was a huge he was fan. already pretty popular in England. Yeah, but it, it, for, to, it was Kennedy saying that uh, he read, you know, the, the Fleming books that that really launched the Bond novels in America. Whew. 
God, there was never clout in those days yeah. for writers. Yeah. Did you see, you started writing novels before the Bond thing came along? True. No. Um, Is that right? My see, I didn't first novel was a James Bond novel published worldwide in many different and it languages. Was based on that encyclopedic. No, it was uh, well. My nonfiction book was a uh, was yeah. a coffee table book. Right. Uh, my first novel was written in 1996, published in 1997. It was a James Bond novel, original novel. Yes. Was it easy for you, theater fellow, to start writing? Writing, as, as you know, too, because you do it. Writing's a tough game. Yeah. Writing is a tough, interesting, uh, occasionally debilitating, occasionally lonely way to make a living. It was very hair-pulling. Um, yeah. I mean, I felt like, I mean, the Ian Fleming estate hired me to do it because they felt like I knew the did universe. They, did they just come looking? Did you get a They phone? liked my nonfiction book. And you got a phone call one day saying. That's exactly what happened. Hey, and as you know, Mr. <laughs> Fleming is dead. How would you like to write? <laughs> well, John Gardner was writing the books before me. Right, right. And right. he decided, you know, he'd done enough. He didn't want to do it anymore. And they just, uh, uh, the man who was Ian Fleming's literary agent, at, uh, his name is Peter Jansen Smith, he called me out of the blue and said raymond how would you like to give it a shot and that's how it happened that's a fabulous story yeah handed to me on a silver platter and i don't take it for granted i can imagine was it a collaborative kind of effort or you just said okay Mm. come up with come up with a really bad guy you've already got your hero in the thing (laughs) right come up with some really pretty girl and a bad guy and we'll go from there i had to come up with a plot an outline Uh and that had to be approved by the fleming estate by the british publisher and the american publisher once that was all approved, I had to write the first four chapters, same approval process, and once once that was done, then I got the contract to write the book. Where were you living then? Here in the suburbs of Chicago. What brought you here? Actually, I was writing and designing computer games in the late 80s and early 90s. And You're really a renaissance That's, that's where I honed my fiction writing, because I was writing adventure games where you were a character, you know, exploring the woods and battling monsters or whatever, yeah. and uh, it would tell a story as you played the game, and it had puzzles and obstacles. How did you, how did you get into that? I, that was, I fell into that after the nonfiction book yeah. was published. My, my literary agent at the time said, Raymond, there's this there's company making s- games and there's this new stuff yeah, yeah yeah and they they're looking for a writer and they have a license for for a couple of james bond games and i thought of you wow so that's what got me in so bond has been very bond, kind to me bond, kind to me bond, has, bond <laughs> launched launched your career right. how many bond books did you do i did six original books and three movie novelizations wow screenplays yeah. or, or they gave me the screenplay and these were the pierce brosnan movies <laughs> okay they gave me the screenplay and I turned him into novels. Did you meet Pierce Brosnan? I did. What did you think? He was tall. Yeah. What did? <laughs> who is, well, there's no better person on this planet for me to ask who's your favorite Bond. Well, there was Connery, and then there's everybody else. Same here. Same here. I feel exactly the same way. Uh, that's an interesting way to uh, make a living. Did it get easier for you? In a way, I mean, doing the book, the Bond books got easier. Uh, but once the Bond books ended, I kind of had to reinvent myself and yeah. start over because I was typecast. Oh, sure, no question. Yeah. So your agent said, "What did you do? Did you come to your agent with 
your agent, obviously, who said, oh, my God, the bond trip is over. <laughs> uh, I had to, Well, I had to get a new agent because at the time of the bond books, Ian Fleming's agent was my agent. Right, right. That's a big leap. Yeah, That's it, a big it, leap. It, took, it took a few years to get a foothold again uh, for my own stuff. Yeah. yeah. What was your first uh, independent? Uh, Evil Hours was the name of it. Evil Hours. And then there was Face Blind. The Tom, couple Tom Clancy. Yeah, things. I did some other tie-in work like that. Mm. And the Black Stiletto saga. Oh, now, that's, that's that's my magnum opus, I think. Really? Yeah. How did that start? Well, uh, my wife's mother had Alzheimer's, mm. and so uh, it's a story about a vigilante costumed female hero heroine who uh, was working fighting crime in the late fifties, early sixties, but in the present day. Her grown son is taking care of a woman in a nursing home who has Alzheimer's, and he discovers that she was the black stiletto. So the story goes back and forth in time through over five books that tell one big story. Now, your wife Randy is sitting here, and uh, as I I knew through my mother and other uh, mates of writers that I've known, uh, being the wife of a writer, a full-time writer, can be a... You're smiling, Randy. It can be not, not just a thing. It's an it's an interesting kind of relationship, don't you think? You can talk well, about her. You, Randy, you can feel free. To Randy is my in. first reader. She reads all my books. She's my first beta reader, and she gives me all. She's totally honest, <laughs> and uh, you know, she's especially good with uh, critiquing my women characters, mm-hmm. which is very important. Oh, sure, yeah. Sure. So I, I, I. Couldn't do without her, actually. Well, I'm sure that's true on a number of levels. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Just my first reader. <laughs> uh, Randy here is smiling. Uh, has it gotten easier? And we'll get to after the top of the hour. I want to I want to concentrate for you know, 10 or 15 minutes on the mad, mad murders of Marigold Way, which is Raymond Benson's latest. But I don't want to give away too much. I mean, this is a book that that needs to be savored, I think. And I, I am always uh, tender-footed of spoilers let me put it that way uh, does it get easier raymond and this is a this is a remarkably inventive i think uh book thornton wilder aside i think the hardest part is coming up with what you're going to do mm-hmm. the conception and uh, I, I am a plotter as opposed to a pantser. You know, yeah, there are there sure. are plotters and pantsers, the people who write by the seat of their pants, which I totally respect. But um, doing my I, – I do an outline for every book, and that is the hardest part. That's where I really pull my hair, and I'm very difficult to live with. Uh, and for a, a month or two, I'm, I'm very grumpy and, and working out all the, the kinks and the twists and the turns. What you write at the beginning of this book is, uh, this book was written between May and September 2020, while the uncertainty of the coronavirus pandemic, among other stressors, placed every soul on the planet on edge. Uh, While it began in March that year, with a mandatory lockdown enforced in most places, it became more of a self-regulated quarantine over the summer. Even at the time of this writing, nearly two years later, the end doesn't appear to be anywhere in sight. One of the things that I found in here, and I found it uh, to be very compelling, is the way COVID does not overwhelm 
anything that goes on in the mad, mad murders of Marigold Way, but it, it it's almost like it's a it's a shadow. Exactly. It's not about exactly. It's not about, it's not uh, about it COVID. All, but it, it, but it's, it's the it's it's the milieu. It's it, it's as if if you're going to write a murder mystery that takes place in Europe during World War II, the war is in the background. Exactly. I I think you did that brilliantly because I think there you know there are ways to have done it ham handedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not. We will get into the details and try not to spoil anything about the mad mad murders of Marigold Way. After a few minutes and some news. Welcome back. We are about to dip into Raymond Benson's The Mad, Mad Murders of Marigold Way, uh, written in the shadow of COVID. And uh, it is a, we're going to try to do this without uh, spoiling the thing. It takes place in a place called Lincoln Grove, which is a suburb of Chicago. And as the the very compelling narrator uh, tells us, uh, it's it's a great beginning. Friends, this is a little tale about some murders. The choice of having someone, I won't reveal who, I don't, I won't even tell you people if you reveal who, that's a bold choice, I think, Raymond. Uh, do you think so? Well, I was, you know, there were several influences that went into this book, but I'm a big fan of Thornton Wilder and Our Town. In fact, I acted in a production of it in college. Yeah. Um, what would you play? Uh, I played Simon Stimson, the, oh, the alcoholic okay. sure. choir master. Um, and I, and one of my ideas, you know, here we are in May 2020, you know, mm. when, and remember, this was before the vaccines were in sight. Oh, yeah. This was when we didn't know much about the virus, and everybody was paranoid and crazy and afraid of everybody. We were wearing masks. We were wearing gloves at the grocery stores. We were washing our mail. Well, and, and also, people were, people were not going out. I mean, the, the yeah. level, I think the level of paranoia was yeah. such that people were And, and I just terrified. thought, oh, this is a great milieu for a comic murder mystery. Yeah. <laughs> So. Which is what it is. Uh, <laughs> it begins. There are. There's a. Uh, uh, there's a housewife named Rachel. And tell me if my memory isn't uh, uh, good. And a former TV writer turned novelist named Scott. They live in a joint, not adjoining house, across the street from each across other. Across the street from each other, they are neighbors. And all of a sudden, their spouses are no longer around. Right. The the we the book begins with the wife going missing. Scott's wife goes missing, and then a little later, we find out that Rachel across the street, her husband has gone missing. And now there's the, ba- where the basis the, for a mystery in in yeah. any suburb or right, city block right. I can think of. So you know, and I was thinking. You know, what if Thornton Wilder had written Our Town in May 2020? What would it have been like? Wow. And so that was kind of the inspiration for the narrator in this in this uh, story. That's a good, bold choice, because I think the narrator is, as I said, an adjective that I use, compelling, very compelling. But he's also, I think he's friendly. He is, he, he's your, your kindly grandfather-ish, you know. I mean, I, I envision, you know... Sam Elliott doing the voice, or Wilford Brimley, you know, somebody, you know, one of those familiar voices that you just latch on to. You know, one thing that that uh, I, I thought in reading the book that soon, sooner than later, 
he would say, I know you've been listening to me talk and tell you this story. I should tell you who I am. Uh, it doesn't happen early, does it? It doesn't happen early. It, it well, might happen later. Well done. <laughs> well, well done for the, non, for the non-spoiler Rick Kogan show. The uh, Did you feel you obviously felt once you created that voice and that person you obviously saw as kind of person uh, – you you got pretty comfortable uh, doing oh, yeah. it this oh, way, yeah. didn't you? Well, you know, I also I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Coen Brothers. <laughs> sure, and I think I was also attempting to do a Coen Brothers movie in prose, so it's got this sort of wicked, absurd, surreal quality to it. Well, I found elements yeah. of for me there were elements of Twin Peaks. Yes, well, I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I should be teaching a course in the in the in the novels of Raymond Benson with uh, Professor Rick Cogan, and even in the chapter sixteen starts with in Thornton Wilder's play Our Town, deceased characters make an appearance in the third act as well. They're ghosts. Uh, he's a big influence. Was he always a big influence for you? I wouldn't say so. No, um, I've. I wouldn't. I don't think I've used. I mean, I've I've, I've written in first person many times yeah, where yeah, the yeah. where the main characters are are talking, but not an omniscient, you know, uh, wise uh, commentator right. on what's going on. And that's really what he's doing. He's 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 commenting on what you're seeing, just like the stage manager commented sure. on what was going on in our town. That is such a show. That is such a play. Commenting here. Here's an example. I think of that you, of the narrator commentating. Uh, one chapter begins. Have you ever noticed how bad guys in movies or television simply love to brag about their diabolical schemes, especially when they've got the hero trapped? I guess that must be a prerequisite for villainy and oversized ego. Even stupid criminals will not miss a chance to gloat to their prisoners about how clever they think they are. Well, I'm glad this guy does it here. It saves me from having to explain his evil plot to you. That's a marvelously written graph and and, uh, really sets up uh, the entire thing. It is also, thanks to the playful nature of the narrator, a... uh, a, a a book with misdirection. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. There's a lot of misdirection here. One chapter begins, Okay, friends, you've met our hero of the story. Or is he? Uh, we will take a short break and come back and talk more about the mad, mad murders of Marigold Way. We're sitting with uh, Raymond Benson and his lovely wife, who also happens to be his first reader, Randy, and uh, we'll carry on. Raymond Benson, do you know if The Mad, Mad Murders of Marigold Way, which should be a movie to my mind, uh, is indeed your 40th book, or are you at 40-something? It's, it's around, I lose count, but I think it's 44. <laughs> I, I'm such a great admirer of it. Do you have a, do you have a writing routine? Do you, I do. When, when Once I've got 
the idea, the thing going. Right. Uh, you know, I spend a month or two, as I mentioned, on an outline, which is really a prose treatment of the oh, book. Okay. It's a narrative it outline. Yeah, it's about twenty pages, but and it's it's broken out in block paragraphs where every paragraph represents a chapter and what happens in that chapter. Oh, interesting. That's what I do, and I spend a lot of time on that. Once that's done. And I've got all my research done, if I have to do research. Uh, then then it's just the tedious process of writing the book. And I try to write a scene a day, whether it's... Not a, a number of pages. No, nope, nope. page as long guy. as it has a beginning and an end. Okay. Uh, okay. And it might be a full chapter. It might mm-hmm. not be. Uh, if it might be three pages long, or it might be 20 pages long. And if it's a short chapter, then, hey, I've got the rest of the day to, do, to go play. You uh, know? And what do you do when you go play? Oh, I watch movies or go walking or, you know. You and, you and uh, Dan Geyer, who's a movie critic uh, for many, many, many years in uh, for the Daily Herald, right? Uh-huh. That's right. You guys have been doing a kind of movie thing for a long time. Yeah, together. sixteen years. We call it Dan and Raymond's Movie Club. We we present our show uh, in suburban libraries, and uh, we pick what? a we pick a topic and show clips. Uh, like for example, uh, we're doing a show on Alfred Hitchcock coming up, and we pick our favorite Alfred Hitchcock movies, show clips, and talk about the making of them and tell jokes and. It's like Siskel and Ebert only stretched out to two hours. Wow. And better looking guys. <laughs> better looking guys. Well, give Dan my best. I He's will. He's a great critic. Uh, you're doing, you know, this is, these are wicked times for promoting books. I mean, they just, you know, there are, there are not that many places that uh, that review books anymore. Have you sensed, do you feel frustrated at all? You well, must. Yeah. You have um, to. Actually, selling this book was was quite the challenge. Um, selling it to a publisher. To selling it to a publisher. You know, I wrote the book. My agent liked it. We, I thought it was one of my it's one a, of my favorite books. It's a terrific book. Yeah, it's a and terrific, I, terrific I thought, book. oh, this is going to be a winner because it's timely, you know, and everything. And as soon as we started submitting it, no publisher would touch it because of the COVID background. Oh, come on. They Nobody well, complained about the story or the characters, but they all said, oh, we don't think our readers want to read about COVID. Oh God! And and we were we were shocked. We were absolutely shocked. Idiotic. Yeah. yeah, I'll bet you did. So we had to wait a year. We waited a year, and uh, my agent did find this independent publisher, Beaufort Books, who grabbed it immediately. They yeah. just loved it, and they they went for it, and they they've been very good. Well, it's a wonderful, wonderful book, and it's also a wonderful cover. Oh uh, yeah, cover we really like the cover. It yeah. really grabs a. Uh, uh, it's not not the suburb in which you live, but it is a suburb uh, close to the city of Chicago, where, as I said, these uh, the spouses of, of, of former TV writer turned novelist and uh, a housewife both are vanished. We can tell a little more, and. Well, there's a there's an empty house that plays a role. Yes, and there's a fire in this house. There is. Okay. And now, I leave it to you because you're the author. You'll know what right, to spoil. Right. To spoil. Well, the empty house was an inspiration because on our block there was an empty house for months, and this was during the pandemic. It just wouldn't sell, and that also played into my imagination. Sure. Gee, what could happen in this house? Sure. <laughs> you know, uh, and well. 
there is a fire, and lo and behold, the investigators find two charred bodies in the house who turn out to be the missing spouses. So it would turn out, and stop me if I'm getting to the uh, giving away too much of the plot. So, who do you, ladies and gentlemen, think would be the prime suspects in those two? <laughs> well, of, <laughs> of course, the prime suspects would be the remaining spouses, yes, who live across the street from each other and who begin an affair. Yes, <laughs> why? Why wouldn't they? Would it? Oh, he's giving away too much. This is great. This is great. His wife, Randy, who is his first reader, is like, is literally, I, I'm surprised he didn't say, Raymond, shut up. <laughs> well, that's shut enough. Up. That's all, all you need to know. But, but you know, people people during the pandemic were acting like they were crazy. No question. And, and no question. So I think my characters act fairly crazy, And I too. actually think, from what little I know about the suburbs, I actually think that people were acting crazier in the suburbs than they did in the city. I don't know very, quite very why possible. that is, but I think there was a sense of real isolation out there that that fueled the paranoia. I think that's true. Um, yeah, it was it was it was very kind of creepy. I mean, my wife and I would take walks in the neighborhood, and that was fine. We felt very free. But you know, when somebody a jogger or somebody would come by, you know, we like get out of the way because oh, he's breathing heavy. You yeah. know, it's like <laughs> well, the great advantage for you two out there is you didn't have to get in elevators. That was the real horror yeah. story. Yeah, horror story of the city. Randy, can I ask you a question? Sure. What's it like being married to a novelist? Oh, gee. Um, it's, you know, it's, um, you know, it's really fun to see his process in action mm-hmm. when he's coming up with a new story. Like he said, he's grumpy. You know, the creative process. I have, didn't say he's grumpy. He no, said he, he's no, grumpy. I said, yeah, he yeah, said, yeah, yeah, he yeah. said he was grumpy. <laughs> and the creative price, process makes you uneasy and edgy. And he is. And so I, you know, I trust, he's written so many books, I trust he's going to solve the problem. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then once he's writing the book, then he's on a very even keel. His schedule is very predictable because he starts right, he's so disciplined. That's why he's written 44 books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he sits down, he writes the one scene to get the action, you know, so that it, he doesn't think too hard. He just lets it go because he knows what's going to happen. Sure. Sure. And sometimes he changes it, and sometimes that's exciting for him. When, when by being first reader, does he give you the the his finished manuscript, or does he give it to you in? Uh, no, I read I read the whole book, the finished book. Yeah, that's good. And, yeah, and you're not at all reluctant to 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 steer him in the right direction. No, I'll tell him. I'll tell him exactly what I think on on the book. That's that's and, valuable. Yeah, it is. And, you know, and a lot of times some of the genres that he's read are not particularly my genre. Sure. So I will say that because I may not be the ideal reader on some of the books. But when he's talking about women, a lot of the times my comments will be, I don't think a mother would react this <laughs> would way. Would do that. Yeah. yeah. Or, or she wouldn't wear that. <laughs> you know, That's great. He's trying to describe now, you've it. Got, you've got an upcoming uh, event. All right. Uh, on uh, November 26th, a Saturday, uh, I'll be at Centuries and Sleuths Bookstore in Forest Park. The greatest independent bookstore yeah, from in America. Noon, from from noon to two, it's it's called Independence Day. That is Independent Bookstores Day. Uh-huh. So there will be a lot of authors all oh, day wow, long good. in in two hour slots, 
Uh, so you can come, you know, pretty much any time during the day and meet a lot of great mystery writers. When you do that, do you, do you uh, maybe Bob Goldsboro will be there? Uh, he will be there. See, good. Bob's a good guy. Give him a hug. In fact, I think he's the two-hour slot right before mine. So I'll get to I'll get to say hello. Give him a hug. I love Bob. Yeah. Bob, former Tribune uh, Tribune editor. Uh, the uh, how do you do? Do you read or do you talk? I mean, there are a lot. You know what the, an author appearance is like. It's Usually, like, I, I did do a, the the book launch at Centuries and Sleuths a few weeks ago, uh, and I'm coming back. But uh, at at that store, usually I will do a quick Q and A, like a little talk, sure. and then I will read a short passage. Oh, nice! Yeah, nice. it yeah. sounds great. It's a good book, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, and it's a perfect kind of. Uh, Christmas present to have under the tree. I think books are among the finest gifts to give for Christmas because, uh, in some ways, they can change people's lives. It is titled "The Mad Mad Murders of Marigold Way," and uh, author Raymond Benson certainly knows some of the dark sides of suburban living. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's great to see you, Raymond and Randy. Thank it's, you. It's a real Thank you pl- for having it's a me. Pleasure Thanks. to meet you. Pleasure right. to meet you. Happy holidays. Okay, and all that you jazz. too.